I want to dive in to our message today. And uh, as we talk today about the resurrection uh, power of, 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 of Jesus and Resurrection Sunday, and you know that this day is not merely event, uh, an event on the calendar. It's not just a holiday we separate, uh, celebrate that there was a, a dead man who came to life. No, far more than that. That because Jesus died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins and because arose again, the Bible says this, we can have new life in Christ. If you're grateful for that, can you say amen? Uh, That's what this today's about. And I wanna talk today from this standpoint. Uh, Here's the the title of the message. If you're new to Catalyst, I'll give titles, kind of some framework to our messages. And today's message title is Life After Loss. Life After Loss. Because the reality of life is that we'll experience loss. Uh, loss of, of loved ones, loss of relationships. Uh, come on, your, your favorite team, maybe they lost early in the playoffs. Come on. My team didn't even make the playoffs this year in football. Uh, I need prayer. Uh, but lo- loss is inevitable. Um, sometimes just loss. Sometimes, have you noticed this? Even good change has a degree of loss. I remember we moved into our, our current house we live in and my kids were mourning some of the things they lost from our previous house. Uh, I was like, after all that effort and money to move, come on parents, I'm like, you, I don't wanna hear any of that right now. <laughs> but, but no, it's a reality of life, right? We, we're gonna experience loss and loss, is, can, loss can be hard and grief can be complicated. Um, and, and we're gonna talk about this today of how do we experience, because John 10, 10, Jesus said this, I came to give you life and life more to the full. That he came to give us this fulfilled life. He came, he said this, that I want my joy to be in you so that your joy is complete. He came to give us this sense of joy. And and sometimes life can feel like, especially, you know, as following Christ, there can be this tension between reading the words of Jesus and how we feel in the moment. Uh, Because here's also a, a reality of truth. Maybe you've experienced this. Has anybody else learned? I know for me, I turned 40 last year. I know I look 24, but um, you didn't have to laugh at that one there. I was a little hurtful. Um, no. uh, life is hard. Anybody else realize this? If you think life is easy, come and talk to me. I'm gonna ask you to write a book and I'll endorse it. Uh, and no, but, but life is hard, isn't it? Relationships are hard. Get it, navigating work issues are hard. Come on, annoying coworkers are hard. Come on, somebody. Being married can be hard. Raising kids can be hard. And uh, Jesus came, and this is the, the, the great news of the gospel. He didn't come for us to just navigate life by ourselves, but he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the earth, fully human, but fully God, lived a sinless life to die and raise again so that we could not just spend eternity with him in heaven, but that God could help us here on earth. So we're gonna talk today about how do we experience the life that God has for us. We're gonna read the narrative of the empty tomb. It's actually in all four of the gospels. It's a great read this afternoon. If you have a moment after your Easter nap, come on after brunch uh, to read through all four accounts. They're they're all slightly different because they're different gospel writers, um, but they all speak to this empty tomb narrative that we're gonna read today out of Luke chapter 24. But before we do, let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you this morning, uh, Lord, that we celebrate uh, not just a moment in history, but we celebrate the resurrection power of Christ. Uh, we, re- we, we celebrate the fact that the tomb is empty, that you did rise again, 
and that we can now experience new life in you. And for that, we, we celebrate you. We honor you. We came to worship you. And uh, we just thank you for it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Luke 24, if you have your Bibles, we're gonna read in verse one, uh, read uh, about 10 scriptures uh, this morning. It says this, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone and rolled away in the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wandering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you that while you're still with you in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified on the third day, raised again. Then they remembered his words. And when they came back from the tomb, they told all of these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and others with him who told this to the apostles. I want to glean some insight because these, these women who went to the tomb, in fact, Jesus you know, appeared to Mary Magdalene uh, in a, a soon after this moment, that these women experienced the resurrected life and power of Christ. Now I wanna talk about today, how do we experience this life that Jesus came to promise for us today? There's three simple points I wanna share with you. And uh, here's the first one, if you're taking notes, and you know, if you're not taking notes, just write this one down. And that is, we must return to God. The Bible says that very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. These spices they prepared, uh, of course, it's not clear in the scriptures. Uh, Some scholars presume this. These spices they would have prepared would have served two functions. It would have delayed the decomposition of the body of Jesus Uh, which some believe because of that, they believed he was going to be resurrected. So they wanted to prevent the body from decomposing. Then I love, sometimes you gotta read the Bible as it is. If we're not careful, sometimes we put a holy veneer over the scriptures and we don't just read it how it is. The spices they brought were also intended to make sure the body smelled good. Come on, somebody. They wanted to make sure when Jesus got up, he wasn't smelling funky. That's the original Old Spice right there. Come on. Like Jesus, you got to smell fresh. Come on. His, his female disciples were taking care of him, making sure he didn't, he didn't smell when he showed back up. So they, they returned. Now, these women, the first thing they did in the morning was they returned to the last place they saw the body of Christ. Now, some disciples were back at their houses lamenting over the death of Christ. Some thought it was over. Like, what are we going to do? We thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was the King of Kings. And now he's dead. Some were probably planning. Like, what are we going to do now? Like, how are we going to overthrow Rome? Because they're oppressive Roman government. But I love that these women, they didn't lament. They didn't plan. They didn't try to handle it themselves. What did they do? They returned to the last place they saw Christ. Can I tell you this morning? When you feel the weight of the pressures of life, When you feel overwhelmed in life, maybe by loss, maybe by tragedy, maybe by hardship, maybe by raising your kids, come on. Can I tell you what you need to do? You need to return to God. And that's what these women did. I don't know if anyone like me 
in the room today or watching online, you're, you're like me. When I face problems, I have a propensity. Um, I like to try to solve them myself before asking for help. Um, when I get lost somewhere, I'd rather be lost than ask somebody else for directions. Anybody else? Come on, you be, you be, thank you, thank you. Got one honest person in the room. Uh, when, when I put together furniture, if it looks simple, I throw away the instructions. I'm like, I got two graduate degrees. I should be able to handle this. That's why the furniture that Jeremy puts together in my house has a little wobble wobble to it. A little shake it, shake it. Some of you got that. I won't move any forward in that song, but... So I, I try to solve it myself. When we moved into the house we currently live in, the movers took my kid's place at and they broke it up into four pieces. So four big pieces to put together. So it was lying in our backyard the first few days we were at, you know, moving in. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm not a handyman. Which I told Christine we got married. I said, listen, I am not handy at all, but I have the gift of calling people who are handy. Anybody else? You have that gift. I can work a telephone really well. I can find them on the internet and I can call them and they are amazing. If you are gifted with craftsmanship, God bless you. You have blessed my life. So anyways, I was like, Christina, I think I'm gonna give a crack at this. Like, and true story, the toolbox I own was gifted to me and I don't know half the tools that are in it. So true story, you can ask Christina. It's pretty sad, you know, but it's the reality of my life. So my, my wife in her great wisdom said, Jeremy, why don't we invite our new neighbor to come over and help you? Now I have an amazing neighbor. He literally, he and his wife built their house with their hands, like mind blowing. She's like, he probably has every tool under the sun. So we invite him over, I humble myself. I'm a humble man, I humble myself. And, and he comes over and literally within five minutes, my kids are like swinging on the place at once again. I'm grateful that I, 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 I asked for some help. But here's the reality. Sometimes if we're not careful in life, we can go through life and face pressure at work. And we can buy into this falsehood that I have to face these pressures all by myself. Or we can face marital tension, right? And we can think, we have to figure this out by myself. Or we can just face hard. There's this, again, life is hard, isn't it, right? You probably had some hard this week. And we can think to ourselves, I need to figure it out. I I need to make this work. Listen, I want you to write this down. The way that God created you, he never intended for you to go through life without him. He created you to go through life with him because he wants to help us. I love what Psalm 147 says. A psalmist writes this. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. And can I encourage you? Maybe this, this year, maybe you feel a little brokenhearted today. Maybe, maybe so far this year, you've had some disappointment. Maybe several of you in the room, you've had repeated disappointments. And maybe you feel just kind of heavy, burdened, brokenhearted. Can I just, can I just encourage you today? Our God heals our broken hearts. He binds up our wounds. And he wants to do that for you today. And the scripture is clear. When you draw near to God, he draws near to you. Do you know that you don't have to fix yourself up? You don't have to clean yourself up? You you don't have to make sure all of the wrong in your life is out of it before you come to God? The Bible's clear. You simply draw close to him and he draws close to you. Uh, we have, Christine and I, three kids. 
9, 7, and 4. So pray for us. Uh, I had to have a talk before services today. I said, listen, you're gonna get candy in kids' ministry, but you do not eat candy without mom and dad's permission. Um, but the, uh, our youngest, Abigail, she was about one or two years old. It was so adorable. She used to, whenever time she would get like a boo-boo, she'd bump her knee. She'd run over to me and she said, daddy, can you kiss it? And she'd like put a little knee up. And of course I kissed it because it was adorable. I was like, whatever you want, I'll give you. Uh, and then she would like, you know, she'd come like sad. I'd kiss her boo-boo. She'd walk away like my, my kiss healed all boo-boos. Um, but now she's at four years old and she's learned daddy's kisses don't heal all boo-boos. <laughs> and, and here's the reality. I have limitations. You have limitations that, that we can't heal all of our wounds. People in our life cannot even heal all of our wounds. We need a savior who the Bible says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was wounded, the Bible says, so you, I, all of us could be healed. We need a savior, church. And he wants to heal our wounds. He wants to, to bind up our, our broken hearts. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, Jeremy, that's great and all. I hear what you're saying. But you don't know the, the mistakes I've made. You don't know my past. You don't know the sin that I'm currently engaging in, the struggles that I have, the problems I'm dealing with. I can't come to God like this. I remember someone recently told me, he said, Jeremy, I'm gonna come back to God when I, when I get some things in my life right. Can I, just, can I just free someone up in the room? God is not expecting for you to get it all right before you come to him. He's not expecting you to solve all your problems. He's not saying, hey, hey, wait until you figure out your anxiety, then come to me. He's not saying, hey, wait until you get free of that addiction, then come to me. Wait until you deal with that sin, then come to me. No, he is in heaven right now today on Easter Sunday, April 9th, 2023, saying, come home. Draw near to me. And I will draw near to you. I love what Colossians says. Paul said this, speaking about our sin, our struggles, our mistakes. He says, when you were dead in your sin, a little side note, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to bring dead people back to life because the Bible's clear. The penalty of our sin, of our mistakes, which all of us have them, are, are death. It's a penalty because we cannot have a relationship with a holy God by being imperfect and impure. But here's the good news of Easter. Because Jesus, the Bible calls a spotless lamb, because he was crucified on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins put him on that cross and it was the power of God that raised him back to life. And because he rose back to life, because the tomb is still empty today, we can have new life in Christ. So now when God sees us, he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our past. He doesn't see our mistakes. He sees us as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It has nothing to do with your morality or your ethic or your good works. You can be good all day. You could never be good enough but for the grace of God. That's the good news. He says this, that you were dead in your sins, but God's made you alive in Christ. Watch this. He forgave us of all of our sins. He canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us. 
and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross so we can be forgiven. And can I, can I just speak life into you this morning? You are not defined by the mistakes you've made. You are not defined by your past, by your failures, by your sin, by your struggles. Even if other people want to define you by your past, you are defined by the grace of God. You are defined by the love of God. And he doesn't see your sin. When you profess your faith in Christ, he no longer sees your sin. He sees you in right standing with him. So what do we do? You think, Jeremy, what do I do in that moment if I recognize, man, I want to return to God. I recognize my need for God. I recognize he's loved me. You know, the scripture says this, that even when you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. That's great news. Even when you wanted nothing to do with him, he gave everything for you. He gave everything for me. And because he rose again, we can experience this life. So what do we do? Let's heed the words of Jesus in Matthew 16. He puts it so simply. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. I don't know if anybody here in the room is like me, but I like when there are circumstances that I can feel in control of. That I, I, I kind of wish sometimes, if I'm honest with you, I wish when, you, when, when I came to faith in Christ or when we were born, that God gave you the plan for your life from A to Z. Anybody else? Like God, just give it all to me. But, but here's what God knows about us because God created us. That if we had the plan, we would trust more in the plan than we would the planner. And true life isn't found in a plan. Can I tell you this? When, when I'm in control, and maybe you all feel this way, when we're in control, the reason we like to be in control, the reason we like to have an agenda for the meeting, the reason we wanna know where's our destination when you get in a car with somebody, the reason we want to know where are we going, because it gives us a sense of security. But can I tell you, it is not the truest form of security because it is actually far more security comes when you don't trust in your own plan. You try to control the circumstances of your life, but when you trust in the one who knows the end from the beginning and his name is Jesus. That's where true security comes from. That's why in the proverb says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways, every way. Submit to him, he will make your path straight. What in your life today on Easter Sunday, do you need to resubmit over to God? So I, I resubmit this area of my life over to you. Maybe for some of you today, you're gonna make a decision for the first time ever. I'm submitting my life to Jesus Christ. I'm gonna receive forgiveness of all of my sins. I'm gonna experience life and life to the full. I'm gonna have eternal life with Jesus in heaven. That's point number one, return to God. Here's point two is we have to remember the promises of God. I love how the angels spoke here to the ladies, the women. They said, remember how he told you when he was with you in Galilee, that the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified on the third day, be raised again. Yeah, I love the, I love the angels. They're like, are you kidding me? Like it's been three days. Remember, he told you three days ago that on the third day, 
he was going to rise again. They're like, do you remember? But, but here's uh, the angels do. God knows. Have you noticed this? That sometimes when you're experiencing pain, that pain has a propensity to blind you from what's happening around you. On the most practical level, have you ever had this moment? Maybe you get up from the living room and you go to the kitchen and on your way to the kitchen, you stub your toe. Or come on, you experience the worst pain known to humanity. You step on a Lego. Come on, any parents, you felt that? Like when I step on a Lego, I'm like, I swear that cut it open. I swear, it felt so painful. And in that moment when you stub your toe, how many of you know, have you ever had this? You forget what you even got up to get out of the kitchen. You're like, why am I up right now? <laughs> because that pain, it reminded me two summers ago, we, uh, we, we, we took our kids to Sesame Place, north of Philadelphia. And it was uh, summertime, it was July. And I had this grand vision as a dad. I was like, we're gonna, we're gonna go, we're gonna meet Big Bird, Grover, Oscar the Grouch, Elmo. We're gonna ride rides together. It's gonna be amazing. Come on, I'm gonna create a core memory for my kids that they'll tell their kids about. Oh, well, granddaddy years ago took us to Sesame Place. Oh, I was like, oh, it's gonna be amazing. We get there at 10 a.m., get there, you know, relatively early, side. By 10, 12, it was about 94 degrees and 98% humidity. Within about 10 minutes, we were like, I, all of a sudden, my vision for this incredible day went out the window. I just, I don't care about Big Bird. Like Grover, forget you. I need air conditioning and really cold water with ice. Like it was a miserable day. I'm not gonna lie. And it didn't get better. I don't have a fairy tale ending. I'm not like, oh, but then... It got cool, and our kids saw Oscar the Grouch. It was amazing. No, we left at like 2 o'clock. <laughs> oh, that's too hot. It's too hot another day. We'll go in October. <laughs> I'm never going to a theme park in summertime again unless there's water. Uh, but listen, pain can, can blind us from the promises of God. The pain of the tension in your marriage can blind you from hope of reconciliation. The pain of the pressure of work can blind you of the purpose that God has for you. The pain that you're experiencing in life from the heartache and disappointment can blind you from the joy of the Lord, which the Bible says is our strength. The pain of your anxieties can blind you from the promise with Jesus that he has a peace beyond all comprehension. Pain can be a blinder. That's why in the Old Testament and New Testament, we see, we see God saying this. He tells his people, remember, remember, remember. Because he knows that life is hard and that you're gonna have a propensity to forget some things because of that. And here's why it's important to know the promises of God. Matthew 5, 18, these are the words of Jesus. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear. Watch this. Not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything else is accomplished. Jesus, in his 33 years on earth, he fulfilled over 300 prophecies from the Old Testament that were written hundreds of years before he was even born. In fact, during Holy Week, from last Sunday to today, seven days, he fulfilled 10 different prophecies how many of you know we serve a reliable God? He's true to his word. In fact, in the scriptures, this, this book, 
This is why Jesus said in John 6, 63, these words are words of life. No other book has words of life, but the words of God. There are 7,487 promises from God to humankind in this book. Promises for healing. Promises for peace beyond all comprehension. Promises that God will never leave you nor forsake you. Promises of salvation. Promises of forgiveness in this word. So it's important that we, we know the promise of God. We hold on to the promises of God. Let me, let me share one with you. John 16, the words of Jesus. This is soon before he was to give his life down a cross and resurrect for us. He says this, I have told you all this. So I've been teaching you for a while now. Watch this. So you'll have peace in me. Mind you, Jesus didn't say, you're going to have peace when you get that job you've been longing for. That you're going to have peace when that coworker stops being annoying or when they leave. Come on, somebody. Or you're going to have peace when your kids finally listen to you. No, he says, you're going to have peace in me. That word peace in the Greek literally translates rest, contentment, and true joy. Where is it found? In Christ. What's the hope of Easter? In Christ. Can I tell you, following Jesus is not saying, oh, when you follow Jesus, everything in your life is going to be easy now. Oh, and that things will be perfect at work so you can have peace at work. You'll have joy in your marriage. No, catch the next part what he says. He says, peace in me. Then he says this, here on earth. That means at work tomorrow. That means your kids this week. That means at school later on this month. You'll have many trials and sorrows. But watch this, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Here's what he says. You're going to face financial hardship. Aren't you glad you came to church on Resurrection Sunday? But you can still have financial peace in me. You'll have marital conflict. There's going to be some days you don't want to talk to your wife or your husband. But take heart. You can find peace in me. There will be seasons where you will face loss after loss, disappointment after disappointment. You might, you might face chronic illness. You might lose loved ones. But you can find true joy in me. Here's the hope of the resurrection, that our peace, that our joy, that our rest, that our contentment is no longer conditional upon perfect circumstances. We now, regardless of what the future holds, I know the one who holds the future in his hand. And because of him, I can have peace. Even in the midst of stress, because of him, I can have contentment even when there's chaos all around me. Anybody else realize this? Even in recent months, you scroll the news and you see lots of chaos, hardship, violence, and you see the world. And Jesus is saying today to all of us, you can find peace in me because I've overcome the world. And even though there will be hardship, there will be injustice, there will be betrayal, you will face hardship, maybe even trauma. He has overcome the world. Because of that, you can have peace. So what do, what do we do, church? Is we remember the promises of God. 
Can I give you a few of them? Number one is I am never alone. The Bible reminds us that he will never leave me nor forsake me. Number two, that all things will work together for good. Romans 8, 28 tells us that. He works all things together for good. Number three, nothing can separate me from God's love. One of my favorite scriptures, Romans 8, 38 and 39. This is a great one to memorize. I'm convinced neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor powers, height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that is Christ Jesus, our Lord. Number four, all my sins are forgiven. All. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You are, I am, we are never too far from God to be forgiven. No matter what you've done. Number five, Maybe it's the best one here. Death is not the end. Heaven is my home. John 5, 24, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed from death to life. Many today have already made that decision in the 830 service. They made the decision to believe in Christ the Bible says you're across from death to life. You will not taste death. We need to remember the promises of God. I was reminded this week, as I was thinking about the remembering, uh, in our household, um, we have been, with all three of our kids, all three of our kids have been big fans of Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Anybody heard of the show? If you do not, it is basically the cartoon version of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Now, we like Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, because he teaches some things that even though we teach them, they somehow sink in when a cartoon tiger says it. I don't, I don't know what it is, but apparently I have to dress up as a tiger to get some things across. But he, he has these like catchy songs, right? That, that are like good life lessons. Like one of them is, if you have to go potty, stop and go right away. That's a good lesson, right? Like, like physically, it will mess you up if you don't do that. Like you, you need to, if you need to go, you should go. Don't hold it in. He, he also says, uh, he says, when you're feeling mad and you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. One, two, three, four. Right? That's going to help your work tomorrow. When, that, <laughs> when you get that passive aggressive email and you start typing back, I just... Take a deep breath and count to four. Just trying to help you out. So I told you they're catchy. So one, a few years ago, Christina and I were going on a date, having a date night. And there's always this moment of separation with the kids, even though they know, you know, mom and dad go on dates. It's just, you know, saying goodbye. So we had, we had uh, the person who was going to watch the kids come over. And while we were departing, our youngest who again at the time was about two years old, Abigail. She was kind of crying on the steps, kind of, kind of whimpering. Um, she was mourning the departure of her parents. Um, but let me just be honest because I think truth is important. She was mourning the departure of her mother, okay? <laughs> Dad, you can go. Just mom needs to stay here. Um, but as she was crying, she began to sing a song from Daniel Tiger. Here's how it goes. 
Grown-ups, come back. Grown-ups, come back to you. Grown-ups, come back to you. Grown-ups, come back. And she, what was she doing? She was remembering a truth and encouraging herself that even though it's hard that mom's leaving and dad's leaving, they're going to come back. Can I tell you what we do? When you go through hardship, I know I'm never, God will never leave me nor forsake me. When I feel like I've messed up too much to be loved by God, I'm reminded no, neither death nor life nor anything else in all creation can separate me from the love of God. That if I confess my sin, he is faithful and just every single time to forgive me of my sin, to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. So even when life is hard, I can have peace. Remember the promises of God. Here's point number three, our final point. We got to return to God. We got to remember the promises of God. Then here's the last one. We have to rely upon God. They, they, they came with the spices. And the angels basically said this. Um, you are coming with natural efforts for what could only happen through supernatural means. He is no longer dead. He is risen. The body is not here. And can I tell you, listen, when we try to address the problems in our life, the difficulties in our life, and we try to do so through natural means, have you learned this? We come up short. Like we can do so much to, to address our anxiety, but we have limitations. Like you, you can do so much to deal with that situation at work, but you have limitations. You can do so much to maybe combat some unhealthy family dynamics, but you can only do so much. You know what the scripture says? The scripture tells Apostle Paul with this, that where I am weak, where my efforts are limited, he is strong. Where I have limits, God's unlimited. Where, where, where my power comes to an end, his power keeps going that we can rely upon God. That's why the apostle Paul said this, I boast in my weakness because where I'm weak, he's strong. So when I come to my limits, it's actually great news because now when the unlimited power of our supernatural God who raised Christ Jesus from the grave kicks in, we have limits. In fact, the scripture tells us this in Philippians 4.19, that my God will meet all your needs according to his riches of glory in Christ Jesus. What need do you need God to meet today? Maybe you came, maybe you've been facing some stress. Maybe life's been a lot. Maybe the first quarter of the year has been, been hard. Maybe work's been overwhelming. Maybe you're having some issues with your kids. Maybe you're a new parent and you're struggling with that adjustment. Uh, maybe you've been hoping to find the one in the dating scene, but you're finding yourself and you're just struggling. Can I tell you, what do you need today? Because the scripture tells us God can meet all of our needs. In fact, in Hebrews it says we can, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and he will meet us in our time of need. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 55, cast your cares upon the Lord and he will sustain you. His power, his grace, Paul says, is sufficient. And I hope, you, I hope you're encouraged today with this truth. You, 
you, number one, cannot, and we're not called to go through life without God. We need the grace of God. In order for us to live that life that God has for us. So what do we do? Again, let's heed the words of Jesus. Matthew 6, 31. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Watch this. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. He knows what you need. God already knows what you need. He's just waiting for you to draw near to him. Watch this. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first the kingdom of God. You know, 14 years ago, on an Easter Sunday morning, I was where I believe many of you are today. Many were in the first service. Um, I felt far from God. I had, was, grew up in the church. I at one point pursued God. But for 10 years of my life, I drifted away. I was far from God. And on a Saturday night while walking home from a bar, I had a, I had a roommate invite me to church. He said, hey, would you come with me to church tomorrow? I said, I said, man, there is no way I am ever going to church ever again. I've experienced church. I was like, I don't want that. I was mad at God. I had some hurt, I had some pain, some disappointment. But I woke up that next morning. I found my way into church. Maybe some of you felt that way this morning. Like, how did I get here? <laughs> and then I eventually went to church with my roommate. In, his, in that church, I heard what you heard today that, that I didn't have to fix my life up. I didn't have to get free of all my sin immediately. I didn't have to somehow have this perfect life. I, I didn't have to somehow be mistake free in order to come to God. But actually God loved me right where I was. That in my sin, in my brokenness where I was, that God loved me. That's the good news of the gospel. And maybe some of you, that's where you are today. And I made that decision to put God first back in my life. And listen, it didn't mean my life's been perfect. And I've had hardship, I've had stress, I've experienced loss like everybody. But I now have a peace that can only come from God. I now have a joy that can only come from him. I've experienced the life that Jesus promised. 